Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vadnell, Australian physiotherapist and calisthenics expert. Teo from Abnormal Beings has been doing calisthenics for over 10 years, amassing 250,000 followers on YouTube. He started doing calisthenics to get stronger when he played football semi-professionally. His passion for calisthenics is infectious. His words of wisdom will help you level up. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? How's it doing, Daniel? Hey, I appreciate you having me on the show, on the podcast. It's, it's a pleasure and honor. I've been a big watcher of your content for, for the early days, since the early days. So again, thank you for having me here. And yeah, I'm excited to, to be talking to you today. Pleasure, man. What do you enjoy most about calisthenics? What's kept you doing this for so long? I just, I love being in control of your body weight. I feel as well, it has a lot of transferable kind of strength to, to sports as well. So I'm a big sportsman. I've been playing sports since the early age. So like you said, I've been playing semi-pro football since the age of 16. So yeah, I felt like um, it, it was just kind of a very enticing way to train. And especially when I was younger, I wanted to get stronger on the football pitch. And I was thinking gym wasn't really too appealing to me. But then the art of like calisthenics and like using your core strength a lot, I was like, oh, this is great. This could fit really well with kind of my sporting activities. So that's kind of why I went down the route of calisthenics at an early age. And um, yeah, I've been just doing it since. Went down the rabbit hole and you already know how it goes. You just start to <laughs> do your own research and just get so invested. So, How has calisthenics changed since you first started 10 years in the game? Definitely a lot more information out there. I feel like there's it's a lot more accessible. Like on, I go on Instagram, you just look on reels, you see some people doing some crazy dynamic 720s. It's just epic. Like it's, it's, it's amazing to see how, how it's grown. And, um, yeah, definitely in, in the past, like you can see the levels as well. So like, you know, people were amazed by like a 360 muscle up, for example, like back in the day, you know, it's just, and now it's just doing craziness. People were like, you know, people doing straddle punches and everyone's like, whoa, it was, but now it's like, <laughs> Um, that's just like a standard thing. So I feel like uh, over the years, the levels have increased as kind of more information ha- ha- and, you know, there's more accessibility to calisthenics has come about. Um, you can see like the levels have just over time. Just, yeah. And I've seen some ridiculously strong athletes as well, man. Like, especially, um, so I, I help um, organize these competitions um, through Calisthenics, it's like these, these calisthenics events. So we tour Europe and do like these kind of different competitions and stuff. And honestly, there's some insanely crazy strong people out there. It's, it's just epic to see. So long may it continue and grow. For sure. I really have seen it grow over time as well. Like you'd come across someone doing a one-arm pull-up, you'd be like, whoa, one rep of a one-arm pull-up. Or as you said, someone doing pulling off a planche for three seconds was just crazy they were like the king in the community but this is the real blessing of the internet now with the pool of people we have to draw inspiration from the stat the collective standard is so high where it's raising us i feel you got two ways to go with this you can either be a bit of a hater and just be like oh you know what they're doing is a bit too blah 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 or you can see it as inspiration and just try and pursue your own path and draw from that and raise your own standards. 100%, 100%. What do most people get wrong about calisthenics at large? Um, what do they get wrong? That's a good question. I feel like overtraining, I think a lot of people train, 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 and they don't rest. They don't allow their body time to recover because again, like you, you'll do a couple of sets of punch and then you're like, oh, 
like, this is all right, I can do this again and again. But honestly, your body needs time to recover, especially if you're doing the first few times. You know, your CNS, is, it gets fried. Like, you, you need like, a lot more rest. And um, I think people don't realise that. And I think as well, um, rest time between sets, I feel like people don't utilise enough, enough, enough time to rest. Because I feel like they, they straight away want to jump into the, the next set. And it's like a lot of these movements, you're, you're working at max max capacity, max level of strength. So you need like you need as all your energy to really focus on getting the max effort out of that set. So you need time to recover for that set. To, How to long would you one. recommend resting at a minimum? General recommendation. Uh, at, a, at, a, at a minimum, I would say like three minutes, like it, for, especially when it comes to like those heavy lifts. If you're doing like weighted weighted uh, pulls or weighted chin ups, I'd rest like minimum three minutes, if not five. You know what I mean? So it's like um, you, you you need time to recover um, because especially if you're pulling a, a serious amount of weight, you, you need that kind of le- uh, level of effort to, to to really max out. So I think that's one thing that people often get wrong is they try and they have really, really short recovery time. It is good in a way, obviously, to build endurance. But if your goal is to build, you know, serious strength and like master these hard skills, you actually do need to take, to take time to, to fully recover for your working sets. I feel those two you mentioned go hand in hand with people doing too much and potentially overtraining in the sense that you can know if this is the case, if you're consistently not able to improve on your previous numbers, reps, etc. And the problem with these type of people, which is most, we're all like this, we enjoy training so much, we think, okay, maybe we're not training hard enough. So then you're trying to do more and more and you dig yourself a further hole, which in reality, which with the coach's perspective, it's a recovery thing, most likely for a lot of people. 100%. Like, I've had a, I've clients in the past, like there was one guy who's, uh, who's again, bless him, he's uh, mate, addicted, addicted to Cali, just, uh, you know, six times a week, seven times a week, even training. And I'm like, bro, you you need time to recover. But and we, we noticed the, the plateau is kicking in, you know, and even the slight uh, degression. I was like, bro, trust me, just just rest for go on a holiday. I was just, just go on holiday. Just go, go away for a week. Just yeah, for nothing. sure. <laughs> came back, came back a week. He was stronger. And I'm like, there you go, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> you've actually actualized your hard work and it's come to fruition. <laughs> that's what i'm saying like resting is a big part of your training as well so yeah i think like you said those two points are, are what are things people should definitely focus on and i'll just add on to that to ensure that you're able to be aware of this is have a training journal have a workout log because that way you can actually see and be your own coach because otherwise if you're just going in there and going off complete feel you don't really know what you did two weeks ago three weeks ago because that stuff matters. How do you stay motivated after all these years? Because if we could bottle your enthusiasm and give it to the average person, the world would be a much healthier and happier place. <laughs> yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, I can't lie, it, it does take time and like, you have to be patient with it. And um, you're right, it's been a long time since I've started Cali. So I think uh, one thing that's helped me keep motivated is kind of like, also it's kind of been um, a career path for me in a way. So it's. That's, that's kind of like one one reason why I've stayed motivated throughout. So opportunities have come, again, through social media, um, which is, has blessed me in a way to kind of keep going with the calisthenics, keep pumping out content, keep, um, again, obviously through YouTube videos, through Instagram, TikTok, all of these things. So it naturally you're, you're still doing calisthenics and 
it kind of motivates you to kind of get to that next level as well because um yeah that's that's kind of it's kind of your job as well in a way so i think that's that's definitely helped it um and again becoming a trainer again so pt and like online coach so that in itself as well just like a lot of people want Kelly training from you myself i'm sure it's the same for you so it's like you know what i mean you, you kind of like have to do Kelly in a way but it, that's that's kind of why i've stayed motivated and as well just for my own personal reasons just because i feel like it's a great way to train and um incorporating lift weightlifting as well so weight weight calisthenics or like, you know just you know what general bodybuilding type of training or like you know strength training that that kind of side of things as well just has definitely helped me keep going over the years given the diversity of goals that you can have and work on i feel that there's a lifetime worth of pursuing physical feats so it sounds yeah. like that's what's <laughs> got you with the bug there just kept going 100 oh, percent. like there's no there, once you learn one thing you're like okay on to the next one on to the next one i can do a handstand all right one arm handstand let's go <laughs> it's like there's something always next so it's like um yeah i feel like there's it's a never-ending kind of um a journey that you explore which is which is great but um no man kelly yeah i'm still i'm still proper addicted to it and i, I love it so um yeah i feel like just just keep going man if you've taken an interest i know so many people the beauty of it is that you get to experience other people going on that journey so they, they watch a couple of videos or see someone doing this and they're like how'd you do this next thing you know they're in the park like six times a week just with their bands their rings everything i'm like yo you're <laughs> you're serious like so it's, it's great to see it's, it's yeah it's an, it's an addictive sport could you outline the specific ways of measuring progress for calisthenics? Because we know with traditional weightlifting, the standard variables, but is there anything in particular to stay motivated with calisthenics people should keep an eye on? Yeah, definitely. So uh, again, um, I would say recording your sets it is quite slept on. I don't see uh, too many people recording their actual the work they do because when you actually look back on 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 your videos you can actually see kind of your form or if you're cheating certain reps or for example um so i think that's that's one thing you could do and also again like you said using bands bands are a great way to to measure kind of progress and track progress so having kind of um obviously an array of bands with you know uh less assistance available to you that way you can like, see if you're actually getting stronger and again um having basing your sets and reps on those particular bands and going into lighter one that definitely helps as well. Um, obviously, if you're doing static holds your whole time, so tracking how long you're holding a certain um, position, um, and again, obviously, uh, just increasing that kind of that time on the tension. So again, just uh, or, or you could even increase the intensity of the lever. So you know, uh, in in a way, by doing a harder progression. So by by kind of taking a note of those two things, you can kind of really track and measure progress as well. Um, so that's kind of more Cali focused, I guess. Uh, versus kind of the uh, the typical, I'll oh, just add an extra little 2.5 kg weight plate in the gym uh, to your working sets. So yeah, those two ways, so bands, and again, obviously like hold times and, you know, um, those harder bodyweight progressions. Probably worth mentioning because we're doing calisthenics, it's a bodyweight focused activity, tracking your bodyweight, how much do you weigh? Because you might be really concerned with your progress and why you're getting worse, but maybe you've gained like two kilos. Yeah, exactly. It's so true. Like uh, like I said, weight, it plays a big part into into all of this. So again, like with, with all the Cali skills and stuff, naturally, if you are leaner, if you're lighter, you're going to feel a lot, uh, this, these skills a lot, a lot more easier. So like currently I'm 75 kilos. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, 
feel like a, I look bigger or I look like, you know, 85, 90 kilos. I'm like, no, I'm so I'm five foot nine, so 176 centimeters and like 75 kilos. So, yeah, when I started Cali, I was around like 62, 63, maybe even less, 60 kg. So, I've, I've over the years, I've built like a, a lot of like muscle. So, I was very, very slim when I was when I was younger. So, yeah put on a lot a lot of muscle over the years but again that's just like over time and I never really had like bulking or cutting phases but get, again just because it's um I've just been very sporty very active you know I've never really had a conscious uh or had a conscious like effort to kind of really track my weight it's always been just performance based just focused on sports so and then I only started to track uh, my weight when I started to get more into like um uh deeper into Cali and like you know doing weight calisthenics and that's when I was like okay I'm actually seeing progress in my in my weight here, and then I'd always kind of like didn't want to go too too heavy because and compromise the the gains I've learned in the skill work. So it's always been that kind of constant battle of, you know what I mean, just slowly slowly getting stronger whilst I'm getting stronger, then increasing the weight, and then just like that kind of little battle. And then over the years, that's like kind of what this is what I've amassed to. So yeah, I feel like I'm a I'm a nice weight now. I reckon I, um, I think I could push eighty if I really wanted to, but again, I'm not in no rush like. I want to take it slow, you know, just build up my strength as, you know, um, the skills increase as well. And, and I think that's, for me personally, it's, it's a longer route to success, but that's like kind of my way to, to yeah, to match skills with your weight, I think. That's a realistic motivation for people that are listening. That metric of around your height in centimeters and your weight in kilos. If you've been training for a decent amount of time, say three, five plus years, tends to be people falling around that mark and having a low level of body fat and really decent muscularity. Although with calisthenics, there's so many different sub-disciplines of it. What's the style that you gravitate towards the most yourself? I love I love the statics. I love just the, the static holds. I feel like because of how tough they are, it takes a long time to kind of master these movements. Um, yeah, statics for me is like kind of my um, go-to when it comes to calisthenics. Like I train for learning all of these skills, if that makes sense. So that's kind of my goal when it comes to Cali, um, just to learn as many different skills as possible. Because one, it just looks cool, and two, you just build a lot of strength. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure everyone listening is in a similar position to what you enjoy as well. They want to get the strength skills. It looks impressive. It's fun to move your body. But there's no high in the facts here, mate. You've got a very impressive physique. How do we, <laughs> how do we, how do we get the skills, but also get the aesthetics too? Yeah, appreciate. It. I mean, I've, so I've been mixing like uh, gym and calisthenics as well from the start. So um, yeah, I would say mainly majority of it was was um, body weight, especially at the beginning, at the start of my training. And then obviously, um, when you start to do more research, you look into progressive overload and ways to kind of like you know um, improve your performance. And then. That's when I got introduced into weight calisthenics and then obviously um, incorporating some gym lifts as well, especially for legs. So I do a lot of weightlifting when it comes to my lower body. Um, again, just natural testosterone booster when you're doing back squats and all of these heavy compound lifts. So like, it, it's just a great way to kind of like build a well kind of balanced physique. And I felt like um, having uh, almost, okay, push-pull splits, but then obviously incorporating that kind of bodybuilding side of training to it towards the end of my sessions, that kind of really helped, um, I guess, more of physique if that, if that makes sense as well yeah right so you'd be doing your calisthenic strength stuff at the start prioritizing that and then finishing with with a bit more isolation or weighted compounds 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Always, always prioritize the skill work, you know, where I have the most energy and then, um, yeah, training frequently. Uh, I feel like frequent practice and having like shorter lighter sessions helps a lot because when it comes to skill training, um, I feel like repetition of that movement just, just, it just really helps to, to understand that. So, um, I try to do that a lot. And then obviously, like you said, just finish off with those isolation exercises in the gym. And, uh, yeah, over time, like I said, you've got to give it time. It does take a while, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a journey. Just enjoy the process. Do you have any preference in terms of getting stronger skills for how you train them? As in, do you have a preference for isometrics or dynamics? What's what's your thoughts? I think um, a mixture of both is great. Like I've used a number of ways. And, and the great thing about calisthenics is like how I learned front lever can be totally different to how someone else learned front lever, you know? So I feel like it is having one saying, oh, this is going to work. I think like it's, it's kind of hard to say that because there's so many different ways to master a movement. But for me, personally, a mixture of dynamic and stack holds work best. And obviously, you kind of like, oh, I always try to film my sets so I can kind of work, look at my form and like make those adjustments. Um, I think filming your sets in every workout is just great because, again, you're working with your own body weight, so you need to know how to position your body in, in you know, certain ways. So uh, especially if you want to learn the sk skill well. So recording your sets is a, a great tip I recommend people should do. Uh, and again, just look back, make those adjustments if need be. And I think it depends on how, again, it depends on like um, your current schedule, like how, how long you have uh, to train and stuff. But you could do working sets to failure or you could even do lighter sets and just more frequent, like so over time, where you're almost doing like a grease in the groove technique. Um, but like for me, I would just do in my push balls, leg split sessions, for example, I'll do uh, 20, 30 minutes of those skill work. So again, I'll probably take it to, to task failure or close to task failure. So on most sets. Um, and again, obviously, as the weeks go by, you can start to extend the lever. So if, if it's front lever, start to bring the knees further out or like um, pick a hard progression. So ways to obviously kind of like progress it. Uh, and then that way you kind of like track kind of progress. So um, that's kind of how I recommend people should, should, should do it. With all this information now on the internet, it can be very overwhelming. How do you advise people to go about goal setting? I would say um, working like smaller micro goals, kind of just setting yourself kind of those smaller goals. For example, if you're a complete beginner, just focus on mastering those basics. So just take a few movements like pull-ups, push-ups, dips, um, squats, just lunges, for example, just any kind of basic body movement and just set yourself a target number. So maybe test out how many you can do in one set and just kind of um, build up to a, a, you know, a goal. For example, if you can't do one pull-up, then maybe have that as like a, a starting point to kind of build that one goal rather than just saying, oh, I want to learn a muscle-up or I want to learn a human flag, you know? So start off with those kind of smaller micro goals and just and build your way up because that way you're going to um, be a lot more motivated. And once you reach that kind of little goal, you'll move on to the next. And it's like a small kind of, those small incremental increases in, in like, you know, um, reaching your goals. That's what's going to really um, get you to, to stay disciplined and stay motivated at the same time. Because if you have like overreaching goals, like again, like I said, the muscle up or the planche, or the, it's, you're not really going to, you're going to see like, it's going to take a long time to reach to that goal. So nine times out of 10, you're going to most likely fall off and just drop off and just like, just give up. So that's kind of my advice as a beginner to set those smaller kind of goals. And then as you complete that one, you move on to the next little jump, you know, small incremental uh, increases. 
What about the people that are overly ambitious and excited and try and do everything at once? What's your what's your advice there? <laughs> focus down, focus down. Like I tell people, if you want to master something, you need to, okay, first of all, you need to kind of um, take a look at yourself and say, okay, I'm actually strong enough to, to do this skill. And then if you're not, then maybe look at another skill, which is kind of more tailored towards your current strength level and like really focus down. So I, I, I honestly usually just work on like one or two skills max um, for, for a long period of time because you, you can then actually track your progress um, and it's quite uh, measurable in that way. You can actually build a program around that skill and, you know, again, make those small changes and actually see the difference. Whereas if you, like you said, if you're trying to pick like five, six different skills at a time, it's you're not really getting that same amount of practice in. You're just, it's a very, very choppy and, um, it's, it'll be harder to track progress. I feel like if you really focus down and dedicate your time to one or two skills, then um, you're going to see a lot more benefit when it comes to your training and actually achieving that skill. That's really, really good advice. And you've heard it there from someone who's probably tried both approaches, doing it all at once and narrowing it down. If you hear the same type of sentiments shared by by experts, it's it's worth noting that there's some merit to that for sure. With the goals, though, I think people need to understand realistic expectations. So from your experience, what would you say to people like in terms of timeframes to achieving certain things? Because I feel that people tend to want it today, right? They want everything to happen right now. Can you just throw some throw some advice regarding what's realistic? 100%. I mean, like I get I get asked a lot by people, oh, how long will it, will it take me to learn this move? How long will it take me to learn a muscle? How, it, it differs depending on, you know, the person. It depends on a multitude of factors, like your, your mobility, your strength, you know, your current strength level, like just so many different things. So for me, it's, it's about kind of understanding it will take a little bit of time and accepting that you need patience for calisthenics because it nine times out of 10, it does take a while for your, your, you know, your joints to get conditioned to learn these movements, um, especially if you're doing these static holds and stuff. So uh, what I would say is look at skills. There's a lot of uh, information out there online. Look at easier skills that you can kind of master. For example, like the, the frog stand, the bent arm lever, um, even the back lever. I would say those three or like even like an L set, for example, those easier skills, they're, they're a lot more accessible and achievable because um, they require less strength. And you're at like a mechanical advantage compared to these other harder calisthenic skills like the planche and you know the the front levers and for example. So I think like you have to do a bit of research, see what is actually kind of tailored more towards your current strength level, and actually master skills um, based on your current strength level. And then slowly, as you get stronger over time, as you build that strength, you can start to focus on on those harder skills. So I would say do a bit of research. Um, again, just work on those easier skills first before you progress into the harder. Today's sponsor for the show is Fitness FAQs. Use the coupon code PODCAST10 to save 10% at checkout when shopping on fitnessfaqs.com. Enjoy the discount and let's get back to the conversation. I'm sure there's many people that are watching and listening to this who want to follow in your footsteps. They are passionate about training and they'd like to pursue it as a career path. If you could go back in the past and give advice to someone, what would you say? I would say, and this is one thing I didn't do as much as well. I didn't record my um, failures, and like as in um, when I was very, very young. So, so when I was a complete, absolute 
beginner and I was struggling with a lot of movements. I was kind of embarrassed in a way. I didn't really want to post anything because I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is no, honestly, just film everything you do because you can use that content in the future to, you know, as transformational content. And I think that's an, a great way, especially if you're a beginner, if you want to start out um, potentially going down the career path route of calisthenics and like, you know, um, having those kind of transformational videos, they, they help kind of grow grow a following and, and stuff like that you could use that as content so i feel like documenting your journey from a, uh, from earlier on i wish i did that a bit more um as a beginner so i think if you're out there and you want to start calisthenics and start to get into training calisthenics and training other people potentially and you know building up your socials and stuff definitely definitely form your journey because people will buy into you so you want they want to know you know your your story as well so i would say definitely start recording everything you do and just having that footage in the memory bank is just is going to help you in in the long in the future how about being a good teacher is it teachable ah uh, i mean it is i feel like it can be i think you have to do your own due diligence due diligence so like obviously do your own research you know make sure you're, you're you know you get your qualifications wherever you're based in the world so getting becoming a you know credited personal trainer um, just having an understanding of of health and fitness and just immersing yourself in that environment, maybe taking up some some jobs in a gym where you kind of focus on teaching calisthenics or you know teachers training people. I think it, it comes with experience, so you can't really teach someone how to train someone. You have to actually do it yourself. I feel in a way, so because it is also as much as it is knowledge, it's it's about people skills as well and being able to socialize and interact with people. So it's like you, you need to, I think you just need to throw yourself out there and actually just do it and just gain experience. And those kind of life experiences over time, they, they just like yeah, accumulate to you becoming a better teacher, um, especially when you're dealing with clients and stuff and like, you know, giving form cues and, you know, just knowing how other people's bodies work as well as your own. I think that just comes with time and experience. So a mixture of obviously knowledge, um, qualifications and actual experience. I think that's great advice because at the end of the day, we all have the same type of knowledge. We're teaching relatively similar concepts to our clients at large, but it's how you make them feel. Do you listen to them? Do you pay attention? Do you remember stuff about their life, their their training progress, their goals? If you can nail that stuff and be enthusiastic, patient, and just listen to them, you'll have more clients than you'll know what to do with. 100%. 100%. Again, great advice, So. Yeah, if you're out there listening, definitely follow those tips. Good advice. Very good advice. How do you improve your basic exercises and skills concurrently? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like as a beginner, you should really always focus on the basics first. So before any kind of skill work, just um, start to really nail down those those basic movements. So again, pull, comfortable pull-ups, push-ups, dips. And when I say comfortable, I reckon um, t- 10 consecutive pull-ups, for example, 20, 30 consecutive dips you know, 50 squat, bodyweight squats. I'm just throwing out numbers out there, but just, a, you know, a decent amount where you're, you're, you feel comfortable with that actual movement. So I think once you can do that, that's when you can start to kind of dwell into those those harder movements. So for example, like an L-sit pull-up, where that kind of involves a bit more skill kind of orientation to the movement as well. You can do start to master the, the L-sits, the bent arm lever. So I think that's when you can start to dwell into those skills. But I feel like a lot of people want to want to rush and jump into the skill work without actually having that kind of base level of strength. So I think you have to really, really master those basics before you, you move on. And I think I myself spent about um, 
a good two two three months of just doing kind of circuit training as a beginner i was doing like circuits so you know pull-ups to dips to dip, just cycling that and then just doing it for reps you know and then i'll track progress by my sets and reps or even like the time that sometimes i'll time myself and see how how quick it would take me so it's just a good way to build like strength and endurance and then um once once your body's ready and like you feel a lot a bit stronger that's when i started to learn those skills so i think the first skill i learned was obviously the l sit then it was like the, the i think the muscle up and back lever so it was a bit weird like usually the muscle up a lot of people find it harder to, to do but it, because like i said i was focusing so much on those basics i built a lot of pulling strength and like that's what it just goes to show that how if you really really hone those basic movements you can build a lot of strength and power and it will make those skills a lot easier to achieve because your your body's better prepared for it so that's why i learned like the muscle up very quick because my pulling strength was just from reps and you know building up that um pulling strength it, yeah it just it was a lot easier to learn so it didn't take me that long to, i still had to practice and train for the muscle up, but it would it took me a short period because my body was was better prepared for it um so yeah that's kind of my advice and the reality is it's not like you get to that point of basics you've ticked it off and you have it for life unfortunately there's a certain amount of maintenance and upkeep that's required because if you let that go over a long period of time then you might notice that your skills aren't progressing that quickly and you're getting frustrated and perhaps you have to consider you haven't done any basics in six months or a year 100 percent. i think for, for for these past 10 11 years i think that there's always been pull-ups or a chin-up in my in my workout routine always <laughs> no matter what it could be a bodyweight variation it could be a weighted variation but that, that's it's always been a staple you know so i think like you, you you should never really neglect the basics it should always be in in, in your program really and like and it's just a great exercise it's an amazing compound lift like you can load it up with so much weight like i've seen like the weighted uh weighted chin-ups are like my my go-to now like i just i just love that and you can you can build some serious strength for those movements alone so it's i think like you said it should be staples in, in your workouts for sure and to keep the basics interesting, it's not like you have to keep doing the exact same thing all the time. You can rotate between a pronated pull-up and you go to a supinated chin-up. You could do a neutral grip. You can go onto the rings. Same thing with dips. You can go from your parallel bar dips to rings. It's a way to keep it invigorated and interesting, but you're still doing it. 100%, exactly. Like you said, there's there's so many variations to these basics. So you can just experiment and, and just, yeah, and literally just have fun with it because there's there's literally no restrictions. Like you said, ring training is amazing as well. Like, well, as soon as I mastered those those dips on the bars, I was like, okay, what's next? Someone said, someone introduced me to rings. I was like, oh, rings. I was like, oh, this looks easy. I can do dips, man. Let me back. I was like, there, like, just like, <laughs> like <laughs> literally just, just like, just falling yeah, over yeah. the place. I'm like, how can I do like 10 dips, but I can't just, you know what I mean? No. It doesn't See, this is where people need to take the video for the first time of them using dips. I have actually a funny video of me with rings over a power tower and I'm trying it out for the first time, just shaking like a fish. No way. Oh my God. That's what, See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Those clips, like you, you've got to film it, man. Just, just so you can look back on it. Oh, that's, that's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your favorite progression scheme? in terms of like sets and reps? Do you have any particular range that you like to stick to for certain goals? Yeah, I think for um, for, for strength, it's definitely the f five to six rep range. I, I usually tend to stick around um, just just for just building strength. And I just love to lift heavy stuff because it's just, it's, it's a good feeling about it, you know? So I do a lot of weight, Cali. 
uh, weight. I do a lot of weight chin-ups. Um, that's like been a staple of my routine. And it's great because you can track progress again. Like I always have um, the numbers that I hit each session. And um, yeah, currently I'm, I'm trying to get a one rep max for 80 kg. So right now I'm at 75 kilos for one rep max for the, for the weight chin-up, uh, which I'm really happy about. That's like my body weight. So it's like, I want to try and push a little bit more, just get the 80 kilos. And that literally, that's just been over time, just following like a program. So I was, I started, I think with, um, just a, a lot lighter weights and then again just working in the in the five to six rep range and I, for, for me i've built some a lot of strength just just by doing that um uh, there's also times where i love to like again with obviously once i've done my cali work and i'm just onto those isolation exercises that's when i go a bit more in those higher rep ranges so in like the 10 15 rep ranges maybe even 20 on certain exercises um so i, I like that as well i enjoy it i enjoy the pump feeling which is great it just sometimes it's a little bit boring. I get a bit bored. I can't lie. So it's like <laughs> that's kind of um, the only downside to to me. I, I prefer doing those, you know, more intense, like heavier, and then short. short yeah, rest. because with that more hypertrophy, muscular focus, your yeah. goal is pretty much just taking the muscle close to failure on whatever movement you're doing. Whereas with the performance side, you've got oh, my bench is X, my dip is X. It's something special about both of them. 100% yeah exactly so I think like yeah it has its place those higher rep ranges and I definitely uh, do that especially when it comes to you know if I ever want to build muscle like bodybuild then technically that those higher rep ranges they, they work really well for me so um, yeah uh, definitely a mixture of both I guess is, is key to you well again it depends on your goals but a mixture of both for me personally is like yeah the best. how much of a feature should bands be in this process I'm a I'm a big lover of bands. I can't lie. Yeah. I love I, I love too. using bands. It's yeah. It's honestly, it's just a great way to track progress. And again, you can make those, especially if you're using your own body weight, you can make incremental changes using bands because you actually have a, a, a way to measure, you know, how much assistance you're receiving. What you know what I mean? So it's like there's so many different ways you can use the band, and I feel like bands are like slept on a bit, especially when it comes to skills, because um, you can actually like. A, adopt the correct position with a band and like it, it builds confidence as well so i love bands like I, I use it a lot in my in my school training especially for example the front lever pull-up was a recent skill I've, I've been working on for the past months and using the bands has helped massively like you can see um just having an array of bands as well it's like lifting like you know in a gym where you kind of like drop the weight in a, in a weight step it's it's exactly the same principle with a band so um i think people should definitely invest in some bands and and, and use them for sure, because it can be a little bit deflating if you've been training a skill, a certain progression posture, and you're on a tuck or an advanced tuck for quite some time. To mix it to mix it up or even concurrently training using the band assistance, you can just train the full posture or some slight regression from it and just gradually work on decreasing the band over time, which is which is a nice change to your training. But I also like that you mentioned the dynamic use of front lever pull-ups with bands because if you read on the internet, there's a lot of negativity with those because it doesn't match the strength curve of the exercise as in it helps too much at the bottom when it's easiest and least towards the top. But this is where the, the science and what is seemingly optimal on the surface doesn't match with what's happening in the trenches. So I like that. 
No, 100%. I feel as well, like a, a certain degree of skill movements requires you to be to be really strong in a way. So just building muscle in general, if you can just build a good kind of base and foundation. So for front lever, you need a lot of lat and tricep strength. If you can build up your lats and your triceps, um, a lot of people think it's just core. It's, it's a lot of your lats. The load is a lot on your lats and your triceps. So if you can really like strengthen those and build some serious muscle in your lats and triceps, naturally, you're going to feel the front lever is going to naturally become easier because you're just you're stronger so i feel like that has a play in it as well you know to actually like um, with the skill work obviously practicing it is your priority but at the same time you still need to condition your body to, to do that movement you need to be strong and you know big enough to, to do it so i feel like that is also kind of slept on a bit when it comes to skill training so it's interesting because the people that focus mainly on the skill stuff don't really put much emphasis on the muscle work. They're trying to really maximize the neurological efficiency and effectiveness. But so true, if they're plateauing for a long period of time, maybe it's worth doing a hypertrophy block and then building a bigger bigger motor to teach how to be strong afterwards. Have you had many injuries over the years? And if you have, what were the lessons that you learned? Yeah, so um, if this wasn't from calisthenics, but um, I was on um, the Ninja Warrior show, this UK Ninja Warrior show, and um, I was uh, it was it was a very like it was a Manchester, it was a great experience. But um, I was on, so I was doing a lot of like climbing and swinging. It was quite a, it was very very cold. It was very very cold in that arena, or whatever. And um, I don't, I didn't think I didn't warm up properly, and because I was swinging and like I, it was so bad like literally i was swinging from a bar and my my um shoulder kind of popped out it partially dislocated so it's oh, no. yeah, so so that much. was my worst yeah so, so that was my worst kind of injury so i've had issues and and like ever since then i think that was when i was about 21 or something like that 22 it just kept popping in and out it was so um unstable the shoulder joint and i would strengthen it to the point so i'll do my rehab and then i'll play like some because i was still playing semi-pro football i'm getting into physical contact with people my shoulders going all over the place and then i'll just like land and then it'll pop out again and this it was a constant recurring thing for like a, like a one or two years and i was like and i was i was just adamant i was not going to get surgery so um i kind of i stepped back on the football and then I focused more on just like, you know, really, really recovery and rehabbing my shoulder and, and taking a lot of time to, to build up those, you know, um, just, just strength around this whole area. So I feel like building up my pecs, my, my front delts, my side, just everything around this area. My left, uh, And again, obviously the rotator cuffs, uh, just everything around this, this area. It's really focusing on strengthening that. That has helped my shoulder a lot massively. And I've had no issues now since, um, thankfully. Just um, slight limitations in in ROM, but again, I'm working towards building that that um, strength in, in you know uh, uh, greater ROM as well, which is which has helped as well. So it's it's getting there. It's like it's it's very much healed now, but that was my worst kind of injury. Sounds like you've had very smart but also sensible calisthenics programming to be injury free pretty much for over a decade. That's actually really impressive. And just having a chance encounter injury is quite unfortunate, but you've managed to recover it very well and looked after it, which is commendable. What other issues you see people have as far as injuries with either the average person you see on the internet, in calisthenics or in the parks? What do you tend to see most of? 
I see a lot of shoulder injuries. I think just the shoulder in general is, is like a, a very like, you know, free moving joint. So you can, there's many ways to kind of mess it up. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of stuff online as well of like bicep tears. So when the bicep rolls up from doing like hey festos or like all these movements. And I'm, I'm thinking it's just, if you don't have the natural, like if you don't have that mobility, if you can't get your shoulder into, the, into good extension and you're, you're forcing tremendous stress on your on your bicep it's just gonna pop so i've seen a lot of um, biceps getting getting torn from hay festers and stuff like that which is kind of bad uh, i feel like that is like a common thing i've seen um other injuries i think it's generally around the shoulder like maybe maybe pecs as well torn pecs from doing like heavy dips or something like that like again it's just it's just the movements that are just very very super intense you know if you're if you're working past your your one rep max capacity, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure. So, yeah, man, I feel those kind of movements are the, are the worst things. I feel there's a certain risk to reward with those movements and people really don't respect enough what could potentially go wrong. But with time and seeing people making similar mistakes over and over again, I hope people are sensible enough to take the right path themselves and at least be patient, as you said, listen to their body if they do decide to pursue these movements. I think there's a real lack of patience as well. People are way too aggressive with their progression, trying to go into full Hefesto straight away without using a lot of band assist or some regressed lever postures or just conditioning the surrounding areas like the bicep and stuff to a, to a good enough extent. It's, yeah, it's quite sad to see people get career-ending injuries with that outcome yeah literally and it, it's sad because like it is an addictive sport and when you, when you don't have that kind of um you know fuel you don't have nothing to kind of do it, it sucks man like i've been in a period where you're just you know yeah uh well luckily when i'm if i so if you are injured out there i would i definitely recommend built working on like your flexibility and mobility that's what i did when i was injured i would look at other ways i can still kind of train so that's when i really focused down on mobility you know worked on certain area weaknesses of mine and stuff and and I thought that kept me motivated and going as well. But at the same time, you want to avoid that completely and just stay injury free and like, you know, factor in straight, uh, flexibility and mobility into your own routines, as, you know, uh, as a natural thing. So I feel like if you're injured, just focus on what you can do rather than be like uh, being upset about it and, you know, just staying demotivated. Just focus on what you can do, work your training around that. And then obviously do the necessary rehab and then, um, yeah, learn your lesson. That's, <laughs> that's it. Really. So, yeah. I've seen a lot of people get a newfound interest for lower body training when they injure oh, their yeah. upper body. Ex exactly right. They're like, oh, yeah, squats. <laughs> squats <laughs> squats every day. <laughs> yeah, squats every day. I'm like, oh, God. Why are calisthenics athletes so shredded? Oh, uh, I feel like you need to be you need to be light in a way. If you, especially for these skills, you need to, uh, the lighter you are, the better it is, right? And obviously, you don't want to be some skinny, skinny guy, right? You want to have a bit of muscle about you. So you know, you if you want to be light, then you got to shred that body fat. So I feel like that's why a lot of people are quite shredded. You know, you I mean, there is a degree of like you know, uh, everyone's different. Like I, I love to I, I love eating clean as well. I, you know, I enjoy like healthy foods, foods that actually. Uh, make me feel good you know i think like i'm very performance based when it comes to nutrition so if it makes me feel good i'm, I'm gonna eat it and then um yeah i feel like i feel because i have a quite active lifestyle i'm always up on my feet 
Uh, I'm always moving. That's and especially from an early age, I've always been into sport. I think that's what's helped me um, stay stay quite shredded over the years. And again, genetics plays a big part. Like naturally, um, yeah, I'm just was born quite lean, so I've always had kind of I guess like a, a six pack. Again, obviously wasn't that great back in the day. It was you know just one of those ones where you're just quite slim. But again, like I said, over time you just build size and with the right nutrition and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like how I kind of came to be a feminist. Do you have any strategies that you'd recommend for maintaining that level of leanness? Oh, I feel like if it's to the detriment of like your, your own health and well-being, mental well-being, then it, it's not worth it. You know, like, again, I, I know and I appreciate everyone's uh, uh, genetically built different. So, you, you know, you may be a lot leaner naturally versus others. So, but there's definitely ways to kind of improve your leanness and get shredded down. And like, that can be easily achieved with like a, a proper, you know, a diet or nutrition guide. So if you kind of like stay in a slight caloric deficit or maybe just cut out, cut out certain foods that bloat you, for example, maybe you, you could be gluten sensitive, for example, or like, you know what I mean? Just have an intolerance or something. Um, if you just, you know, kind of do a bit more research, you know, fix up your diet and nutrition a bit and then actually see if you can maintain that over a long period of time. I think like rather than having maybe like a restrictive diet, which you, you know, you're like, ah, oh, I'm hungry all the time. You need to have something that's sustainable that you can, you know, do throughout the, the years. So if you can find that sweet spot of hitting like, or finding yourself a sustainable diet um, where you can do throughout the years, I feel like that's the best way to, to go about it because then it won't feel like a task, you know, and then you'll actually feel happy within yourself and that you, you know what I mean? That you have those abs versus someone who's been like, just on some massive restrictive diet, you know, only 1,500 calories every day for like the past, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not realistic. So yeah, I feel like you need to have something sustainable and um, enjoyable at the same time. Um, that will allow you to have a certain level of leans. When it comes to recovering from hard training, do you have any particular methods that you gravitate towards? Yeah, I mean, I, now I get like a, a mobile massage done or I'll go somewhere to get a massage. So I get quite frequent, like once a week or once every two weeks, like a, a, a full-on like one-hour sports massage. Uh, and that's helped me a lot massively for my recovery just to, to keep my body supple. Um, there's also like a hot yoga place, which is quite near my area. So sometimes I'll go once or twice a week. And that's, again, it's really, really helped with my flexibility. Um, so that if, if you can get into those sort of things and I can appreciate people may not be able to go to classes, there's a lot of stuff online. Like, honestly, there's so much free content out there. So you can, you could even search your own routines, which you can follow along to, um, or do your own self massage with like, you know, there's all those steroid guns now that they have, or like, you know, the massage guns, they're great. Um, but doing that has helped me from intense sessions, um, just recover, um, a mixture of that and just, and rest literally just just rest so yeah you've mentioned flexibility a few times i feel that that's a neglected part for people doing calisthenics what areas would be the most helpful for people to stretch and get more flexible a hundred percent for me it's definitely the the overhead mobility when it comes to like handstands for example so um a, a favorite of mine is is the butcher's block i love that stretch like um on the on the triceps and lats like it's just it, it once you know how to set it up right it is amazing. Like it's, it's for me, it's one of the best overhead um, mobility stretches you can do. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's great. Like it, it, overhead mobility for me is, is a, is a limiting factor for people that uh, learning the handstand 
Because once you're once you're in a straight line, people got to realize if you're stacked, you're at like a an advantage. You're, 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 there's no load on your, your shoulders. It's, it's the handstand becomes way way easier. So if you can naturally improve that, you know that sh shoulder flexion, that range where you can just get your arm all the way past, that that will really help unlock certain skills, overhead skills like the handstand. So I think that's a that's a real real good stretch to do and uh, research on. And then um, yeah, so overhead mobility, I'll say as well, kind of your um, hip flexor mobility as well. So stuff like L sits or like your compression, the ability to compress, so driving your knees in, tucking, because you do a lot of like where your, your tuck planches, your tuck levers, you need that ability to kind of compress. So work on, um, do some research, work on your kind of your ability to compress, that kind of will help. Um, so again, stretching out your hamstrings, tightness in the lower back hamstrings. So for, for, for me, Jefferson Carls, another great exercise if you research that. Um, like I do a lot of loaded stretches, so a lot of weights as well, which is you know using incorporating weights. So uh, yeah, that's that's literally kind of my go-to when it comes to stretching. It almost feels like a workout when I do my stretches because it's not really like static stretches. I do a lot more kind of like involve the weights, so that that helps me a lot when it comes to flexibility. If you could speak to the whole calisthenics culture, what would be some words of wisdom you'd say? Um, I would say. Focus down, rest up, and train hard as like a quick, free thing. <laughs> a little sentence. Succinct. Yeah literally, yeah, literally, just very, very simple. Just focus down, you know, um, work hard and just rest up. Like those three, because literally, that's all it is. Like you, you need to like know when to rest. You need to let your body recover, um, but you also need to train hard. Like I think a lot of people don't um, train at like a, a Good level of intensity like it, it, i get that you you aren't motivated on some days and like it and those sessions it's okay to not push your limits and like really like you know train as hard as you can but you, there needs to be a level of, of where you can't just be coasting with your training especially if you want to see progress you can't just be comfortable a lot of people are, aren't don't want to they, when it when it's painful it's like it's, it's uncomfortable and i get it but you need to to actually like get into that uncomfortable zone to, to see progress and especially when you're like later down those years your your session because your body's like a, it's a machine so it adapts very very quickly and easily so once you have a, a good level of strength you need to be pushing really really hard and heavy weight if you want to get to that next level than now because you know what i mean your, your training intensity has to if you want to force you have to force physical adaptations you know so you, you need you need to have train intense and i think sometimes sometimes people may kind of coast a little bit and that's where they don't see as much progress so i think that's a, a good bit of advice as well teo ladies and gentlemen lovely chat where can people find out more about your work yeah sure check me out on youtube on instagram abnormal underscore beings um again just loads of valuable content on there uh even on tiktok i think some funny stuff as well so if you, if you like a bit of comedy and entertainment check that out too uh, and then yeah apart from that you could also check out my online coaching it's, it's all the links are on my socials too but like i said daniel it's been a pleasure thank you for having me on this podcast you're a great guy man honestly like big watch from the early days and yeah i've really enjoyed this man it's, it's been great good stuff man take care awesome daniel take care bro thanks everyone for listening visit fitnessfaqs.com to master calisthenics and become a bodyweight pro